0: following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. So what is Advent? Advent every year, we come around to it. It is actually, uh, I shared last week, it's actually, there's the edge of the stool. Um, if you tied my hands down, I would be unable to preach. Without the pacing and without the hands, I'd be in deep trouble. But Advent is a time every year that we slow down and we remember the coming of Jesus for us. Um, It's a time where we look and we say, Jesus has come and he will be coming again. And so it's the four Sundays before Advent. If you have some good friends, who tell you it starts the 1st of December, you can liturgically look at them and say, you're wrong. It begins the first Sunday of those four weeks. So that is today. Um, And if you want to be a jerk and tell that to somebody, feel free. But we spend four weeks just preparing. And it's one of those things, Do you remember as a kid, when the Christmas tree would go up and you just kind of start feeling the magic Well, I've found the older I get, like the less magical everything is, but it's still kind of fun. But this time is a time for us to dive in and say, Jesus came for me. Um, You know, I am the chief of sinners and he comes for me. And so as we dive into that, we're going to be spending time saying, what are those symbols around that when we see, we think Christmas and I want to start off this week talking about Christmas lights. I have a, a very specific Christmas lights memory, and that is we would usually go to the whatever the seven o'clock service was at our church growing up. Um, so my dad was the pastor at the church, and there would usually be uh, anywhere from four to six Christmas Eve services, and the daring family was going to be at the seven o'clock one. I don't know if that was because like my mom's from Minnesota and like that's what good Minnesotans do. I don't know, but it was always seven o'clock. We went to that service. Now, um, as I've grown older, there have been a couple things I really cherish about that. First of all, um, I long for narrative to keep growing, for us to keep connecting with folks, but I love having one service on Christmas Eve. Like I always call my dad and go, wow, must be tough, three more services. I'm done, I'm going home. But what was really fun was dad, You know, he had to keep working. But, mom, after service, we'd pile into whatever minivan it was at that point in time, and we would drive to the Exxon that was at Westlake Houston and Kingwood Drive. And there was this Exxon gas station, and we would go in and we would get hot chocolate. So, all three of us kids, myself, Matt, and our sister Anna, we'd get these hot chocolates. And it was really cool because, like, usually on Christmas Eve, the guy behind the counter would be like, oh, it's on me. It was just this really kind of cool little thing that often happened. And so we would get hot chocolate, we'd get in the car, and we knew the streets we were going to. That we had mapped out over years, we were going to look at Christmas lights. And we would drive around for about half an hour in our our town in Kingwood and just look at Christmas lights. And it was a lot of fun because... There were certain lights that you know would surprise you. You turn a corner, and here's a whole street decided, we're going to do this theme. First of all, I hope I never live on that street. Like that's that's a lot of organization, a lot of commitment, and you always knew the one house that said, "I'm not doing this." Like, okay, there's the Grinch. Um, You know, it's candy canes, candy 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 canes, nothing, candy canes. But it was just a lot of fun. We knew the streets we would go to where there were the big displays, where there would be a train in the window running. Um, And then as we came home, there were a couple of our favorites, which is as we came home, there was one uh, family that they had this great, um, I forget the cartoon uh, style it was based on, but it was a um, fat Santa and a skinny chimney. And then the reindeer are behind him pointing and laughing. And, you know, so, and every year they would add a little something to that. Then there was one, probably one of the coolest ones in our neighborhood, um, was there was a family and they would do plywood cutouts, but it was a new Disney character every year. And this wasn't like, you know, oh, they're trying, like someone was an artist. And so they had Beauty and the Beast and they would set out, you know, the rose with the the vase on top of it and they lit it all up real nice. And every year there would be a new stand up in that. And, and there's something about Christmas lights. I actually thanked my neighbor across the street a couple weeks ago because he put them up early. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. But I said, sure, I'm glad you did. Because now when I look out my office after it gets dark, there are the Christmas lights. There's just something about them that gets that gets me excited, gets me ready for the season. And I think often we find different types of Christmas lights, right? You have the lifetime Christmas lights. And I'm not talking about how long they go. I'm talking about you just walked into a lifetime Christmas movie. I don't know where it is, but that inn is somewhere in Vermont. It's got some kind of covered bridge to get to it. And you know, the man and or woman who is in the story just left New York to come home and they don't want to be there. And listen, something's going wrong. They don't have enough money, but boy, have they decorated that inn like they do. (laughs) But there's something about this image of the inn and the woods and the perfect Christmas setup that can really only be truly achieved by those who really want to or in a studio for a movie. But I think so often there's this idea of this lifetime kind of, christmasy land that it's it's that almost americana norman rockwell kind of feel um but then there's also something that you find magical places and this is one of the places on my uh bucket list is um out in johnson city every year they wrap at is it the pec building central texans that was my wife yes don't you know that Listen, I grew up on the San Jacinto River, all right? But so the P.E. Seal Building in Johnson City is, is what you're seeing here. It's the, they wrap these lights and it is like daylight. And there's something about that that it, it kind of... It transcends something. Number one, have you ever tried to wrap lights around a tree? Because I've done it. Pine trees in Kingwood... We would wrap three or four trees in our front yard. And we would hit a point, like you could tell, the point where the Daring Brothers stopped caring about how those wrapped. Because it was real nice, about four feet, the best Christmas light wrappers of all. And then you realized, I'm still out here. And all of a sudden, it just kind of exploded. But the intensity, like, I don't know if they're out there with rulers or what, but it is like this perfect wrap you know downtown georgetown's a lot like that too parts of downtown round rock where they wrap the trees and there's something about it that it just kind of transcends and you go wow this is this is something else and then you have your christmas lights right now i don't know what you do um but there are a lot of people who have different ideas and in fact people have so many different ideas abc has now built out a show to deal with these ideas. So Bo, if you can go ahead and run that clip for me. There's just so much there, right? So I was looking for what I had written in my notes as the full Griswold. And I was like, okay, I gotta find some kind of video clip of one of these houses that does a show. Like, you know, they, you pull up and you tune in your radio. And uh, I found one. And they were like, we recorded our Christmas show. It was 24 minutes long. And I was like, this is a commitment. Like, obviously, we're not going to watch it in church, but I'm thinking, like, if I'm driving, you know, around with friends and family to go see Christmas lights, I'm not going to commit 20 minutes to one house. I'm sorry. But, to do, like, I'm watching this going, this guy had to code and build and solder because it wasn't just, like, this Christmas, like, oh, here's it goes to the music. It was like there were talking Christmas trees in the windows, and they were making fun of each other. And there was one point where one of them shut off the streetlight. And I was like, what the heck? And I start reading the comments. The guy had built a, like, with a laser that he could shoot it right at the sensor on the streetlight to trick it into thinking it was daylight. And I thought, bro, you've got too much time on your hands. And then I found uh, through some advertisement that popped up the great Christmas light fight. And I thought, ah, nothing says Christmas spirit, like the great Christmas light fight. And then as I'm watching it, I'm like, I mean, why? And they've got, you know, carnival rides in their yard and everything going on. Obviously something I'm not going to do. Our house, apparently when we bought it, that guy who owned it before us was that guy like had his own you know fm radio transmitter so that you'd pull up and it was all synced and all this stuff and all i could think was that first christmas when the darings put one strand of lights over the garage you had families pulling up and children just disappointed because this was the house and we haphazardly threw up one strand of lights And then you you get further into the Christmas light fight and they go, a battle of biblical proportions. And I was waiting for like this giant baby Jesus to show up. And then it was like, just like, and here's someone on, you know, another ride. And I was like, you know, here's this moment. And even the biblical proportions, you're not actually showing Christmas. You're just showing the great light fight. But there's even something there that after I kind of got over my own cynicism, I had to go there's something about the joy of it. You know, think about if you've ever done the trail of lights down uh, in Zilker Park, Um, maybe you've gone and done some of these drive-through places that folks have built uh, out kind of a little more into the country, but there's something about the joy that is expressed through so many little lights. I think about spinning under the moon tower tree in Zilker Park. You know, there's something about Christmas lights project that joy to others. And so as we look at lights and and we see them, and when Christmas lights start going up, it is one of those clear markers that Christmas season is coming. And, And over the past couple of years, I've noticed people are putting them up a little early. I will not dive into the fight about when you start listening to Christmas music and when you put up your lights But obviously, you should wait till after Thanksgiving. But there's something about people wanting to connect with those things. And saying, hey, we've had a a rough go a couple years now. And I'm finding less and less argument being upset with people and more and more going, you know, when my neighbor across the street, when he put up his lights, it was just kind of nice to just stand there and go, oh, yeah. I was driving out and saw one of our, um, in the neighboring neighborhood, someone had put on their, their full display was up about two weeks ago. And I thought, you know, not bad. Because it's signifying what's coming. Whatever other people can think about it, for me, it signifies, hey, it's, it's that time of year. And so as we look at Christmas lights and we talk about Christmas is coming, this Advent season, Here's what I'd encourage you to do is, is you look at Christmas lights and, and you don't even have to like go like, we're gonna go drive out and look at Christmas lights, although that happens to be one of my favorite things. But if, just as you're driving, you go past the lights, there's a lot of things that it can bring up. I know in our family, the tradition is if you drive past a house with blue lights, you just go, whoa, so cold. Because that was dad's thing. He's like, blue lights, they just make you feel cold. I don't know if they actually do, or if it's just now like a Pavlovian response. But there's something that light teaches us in this season. Let me tell you, it's real easy to find scripture verses that talk about light in the Bible. As we look at what lights do, they build that atmosphere, that lifetime idea, right, where we we can get that perfect picture of what does that, you know, that Christmas Inn look like. They can kind of transcend us. They can take us in that physical plane, but feel strange. One of the things I ask to do for my birthday every year, because it's in December, is I just want to go walk around and sit on the square for a while in Georgetown. To just sit kind of in the presence of those lights, there's something special about it. And I can't put my finger on why, but it is a little bit transcendent to say, here's all this hard work and and just this beauty of light in the midst of all of this. And it spreads joy. And so as we we read, um, as Kelsey read our scripture today, we know that God comes back and says He is the light of the world. In Him there is no darkness. And so as we look at Christmas lights, as we engage with the idea of what they're supposed to represent, number one is the light of the world is coming. It's an atmosphere. It sets the tone. The light of the world has stepped in to the darkness for us. Now we get this joyful moment of saying, he is the light. I want you to think about a time when you've been out where there is very little light. And when light happens, there are a couple of things. Either it can be that light in the distance that draws you towards it, or it is, can be almost overwhelming. We used to do this as uh, camp counselors, we called it star tripping. I don't recommend it, I do recommend it. Be safe. But what you do is, is you stand in a circle, and you pick one star. You look up, you pick one star, and you spin around until you're dizzy enough that it has thrown off, you know, your inner ear system. And then someone in that, you have a circle of people around you keeping you safe, you know, spotters ready at all times. But then someone hits you with a flashlight, and it shuts down your nervous system because you've discombobulated your inner ears, You've been staring at a single point, so your eyes have, you know, dilated, and so that flashlight hits you, and it just, you just drop. And it can be done very safely, and it is one of these things that the light of the world can be that thing very far away, right, that that light I'm going to, but it can also be that light that overwhelms and changes everything and shuts you down to wake you back up again. That as we look and say the light is coming into the world, it is both the light that is calling to us and the light that overwhelms us. Someone should really write a sermon series about light and love. That was our last sermon series. That was a joke. So Deanna, grade me on that one. Uh, Deanna's always honest about my jokes during church. Uh, so we look at this light that invades, that God would send his son as a light not into the world, not simply to the world, but the light of the world. And so as you look at Christmas lights, enjoy them, but be reminded of the light of the world, that atmospheric change. That isn't just some kind of nostalgia, but when we look at a light, it says, look, this is Jesus entering the world for me. Light also transcends and that light of Jesus transcends. In our reading from Psalm today, it talks about he is the light of my salvation. There's a transcendence in the light of what Jesus brings. As I shared today, as as we're um, getting ready to do confession and absolution, I encounter more and more people who... uh, Either I'm personally talking to you or things I'm reading online or interacting with, where people, their their main question is Am I saved? Could I possibly be saved? I know my sinfulness, I know my struggle. And this psalm is so beautiful for that. He is my light and my salvation. It's amazing that the light of Jesus not only illuminates who we are, not only illuminates the darkness, not only illuminates our path, but also invades us. That when we ask about our salvation, we say, he is my light and my salvation. I don't have to question, am I saved because of his promises? And in fact, he illuminates the fact that I am through the reading of his word, through the understanding of the sacraments, through these things, he comes and he says, listen, stop asking that question, that's done. But you know what? I understand you're a human. I know you're gonna keep asking. So I will keep illuminating for you over and over and over again. I am your light, I am your salvation. And in fact, it will even say, I am your stronghold. That the light is the stronghold that beats back the darkness. That even as we encounter the world, there are so many lies that are being told to us about who we are, about our identity, about the things we can or can't do. And what the light does is in our salvation, it then comes in and says, listen, those are lies. And it illuminates those things and says, not only are you saved, you are a chosen child. Not only are you saved, but I love you deeply. Not only are you saved, but when you mess up, that doesn't negate your salvation. In fact, here's a little bit more. That if he is the light and our stronghold, and our salvation, when we look at Christmas lights, we get to rejoice and say, listen, that light, you know what that represents? That God would not leave me behind. That light comes, it illuminates. It is Jesus, the light for us, but it is also the light that he gives to us. That salvation, that stronghold, that when we look at Christmas lights, whether they're something classic or they're something goofy, we can look at me and say, hey, this is is reminding me of who Jesus is for me. And then we get to our Matthew passage um, for today, Matthew 5, 16, which is, let your light shine before men so that they may see it and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The light comes into the world. It is the light of the world. That light is our salvation, our stronghold. It renames us. It fights back those lies. But then it is our joy to be and release that light. My prayer for people going, you know, hog wild on Christmas lights is that it's joy and not like, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Because there is so much joy that can come from those things. That there's kind of this pivotal memory for me the joy of sipping gas station hot chocolate in a minivan. And there was just something about it. There's this joy that is found there. And so we can share that joy with others. That joy and that light is not meant to be hoarded. And you know how I know? There's a really just deeply thought out song that teaches us all about this. And it says, Hide it under a bushel no this little light of mine the song you learn as a child puts it so well did i debate making you all sing this little light of mine with me yes did i not no you owe me one just remember that i could have had you singing and and covering up and the whole nine yards But that old song, it's not even a Christmas song, but it really shares, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. All around the neighborhood, I'm going to let it shine. That joy of sharing what we have found in Christ is an incredible privilege that we're given. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in it being right that we forget to share it. And I think Christmas lights are such a great example of that because it's so easy to look down the street and go, well, look what they have, right? One string daring over the garage. We've added more for this year. Did you say two strings? Was that you, up! Thank you. I thought that was my wife, but then you were laughing so hard. Five strings. That's what we have this year. Welcome to my TED Talk. Maybe I should do this more sitting down more often. We can just talk to each other. Alright, preach a sermon, Pastor. But there's this, this moment, right, where we could get so caught up. And and what a great example of Christmas lights. We could get so caught up in what the next door neighbors have. We could get so caught up in, I don't have the music. I don't have this. I don't have that," that. What do we do? We don't put up lights. Now, this is not me sitting here saying, listen, if you truly love Jesus, you'll put up Christmas lights. That is your decision. But I'm saying take that analogy and think on it. Are there times in your life where you look and you say, well, I can't be, and then you pick a person. I can't be this person, so why would I share that joy? I can't, I don't have the smarts of this person, so I can't be a light. And literally, what does it take to be a light? Jesus shining through you. So I'd encourage you as you go out over the next couple of weeks and you see Christmas lights, remember a couple of things. One, the light of the world is coming for you. He entered the world for you. He is your light and your salvation. He is your stronghold. He has saved you, and that light is shining and burning brightly inside of you, and let it burn out those lies that would say you're not worth it and you're not worthy because... The light of the world has claimed that you are. And then finally, let your light shine. Let your light shine amongst those around you so they may see it and glorify your God who is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks and praise this morning that through simple incandescent bulbs and LEDs, we can be reminded of the light of the world. Lord, through houses with five strands and houses with a hundred, that we can rejoice remembering who you are, who you call us to be, and who you have made us to be. Lord, let us shine that light wherever we go this Christmas season. In your son Jesus' name. Amen.